As Dave mentioned, uh, we are going to continue our series in the book of Colossians, Jesus is Greater Than. We do know that it's Palm Sunday. Uh, we're aware of that. And, and we, as Dave said, we, we will be celebrating uh, Easter next Sunday, those times. Please uh, come. Please RSVP. Uh, this morning, we're really not going to have a Palm Sunday message or service. As I say, we want to continue in Colossians. Before we do that, I want to give you a little insight into uh, the Thomas household. Grace and I. So I want you to know, first of all, I have Grace's permission to share this. That's very important. And especially since she's here and not that far from me. She could make the distance uh, between there and here pretty quickly. So really a little bit about our television habits. That's what I want to tell you about. So Grace likes really to, to watch these shows, these, these unsolved crimes, these unsolved mystery shows, right? She, and and I, I don't know if you've noticed, but like 2020 and Dateline, that's really all they talk about anymore, these unsolved crimes. And so she loves to sort of look and see what the detectives like, how they solve this case. And some of these detectives, I mean, they, they kind of stay connected to a case for 10 and 12, 15 years. They don't give up. And she loves to see how they, how they finally figure it out. And usually there's some pivotal moment in the case, right, where there's, they have like a picture of a shoe print, you know, from 12 years ago. And then 12 years later, they find that shoe with that dirt and some other DNA evidence like in the suspect's closet in a bag or something. And they, they say, that's it. We got the guy. She loves those kinds of shows. I really don't like those kinds of shows that much, to be honest. I, I do like mysteries. Grace and I together like to watch, so I have to say this first, don't judge me. Grace and I together like to watch things on the Hallmark Mysteries and Movies channel. Like, you know, the Aurora Tea Garden Mysteries and, you know, the Chronicle Mysteries. Uh, and if you haven't seen one, uh, really, you, you probably have because they're all the same. E every one of these, right? So, so first of all, um, it, it, it starts out with a person who's not a police officer, who, but who's always smarter than every police officer on the show, right? So my apologies to any police officers that are here. And, and then there's always this unexpected sudden murder, and no one knows who it is. And, and then you have, this, you have this person who always looks very guilty, and he or she's usually angry throughout the show, and you absolutely know they did not do it every time. It's never them, right? It's always someone you, you, you have no idea that, that, that it's them. And we like to try to solve those mysteries. We kind of guess, do you think it's that person? And there's a new character developer, like, do you think it's him? Do you think he did it? You know, maybe he has some connection. So we enjoy that aspect. That's the kind of mystery that I like, the fiction kind. And I think probably because I know that at the end of the show, the actors and actresses are home sort of, you know, uh, having dinner with their families, I guess. And it's over in an hour. Those are the two things that are important to me. So that... We like to do mysteries, or, or, or we, we enjoy that aspect of things. And I bring that up to give you a little glimpse into our household, but also because we're going to be talking about a mystery this morning, maybe the greatest mystery in history. We're going to be in the book of Colossians, the first chapter, continuing in our series. We're going to start in verse 24, and we are going to, to read a few verses this morning that will talk about a mystery, and we really want to camp on that mystery and what it means, how it plays out in our lives this morning. So if you open your Bibles or follow along on the screen, I'm going to start in verse 24 of chapter 1 of the book of Colossians. It says this, Now I, rejo I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions, for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God, in its fullness. Paul is saying that all that he has gone through, and if you know his story, he's gone through a lot. 
He's saying all that he's gone through, he's gone through because of the church. He says, I am its servant. I am the church's servant. He wants them to know that. Paul really sees himself as, a, as an apostle to the Gentiles. He calls himself that in Romans 11. I want to explain what that means. So first you need to know that the church in Colossae and the church in Laodicea was a Gentile church. So what is a Gentile? If you don't know, it's very simple. A Gentile is a person who is not a Jew. That's it. But that's important. It's an important distinction through really through the book of Colossians, but certainly as we look at what we're going to be looking at this morning. There's, there are Jews... There are Gentiles. Paul saw his call very specifically to Gentiles. So let's keep reading. This is where we hear about the mystery. He says, The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Th this mystery which has been kept hidden for centuries, really has two parts. The first part is that the gospel message isn't just for Jews. It's for Gentiles as well. You, you see, when it, it really, the Jews thought it was, it was, this message was just for them, that the Messiah, whoever that would be for thousands of years, they thought it, it, was, it was about them. Salvation was only for them. But Paul makes clear through the Holy Spirit that actually... The gospel message isn't just for Jews, it's for the entire world. Jesus didn't just die for the Jewish nation, he died for all nations. Jesus died on the cross and paid the sin for the entire world, not just the Jewish world. That's the first part of the mystery. That was unknown. And although that seems obvious to us today, right, because most of us here, there may be one or two who are Jewish, the rest of us are Gentiles. But in the beginning of the church, that wasn't true. Jesus was a Jew. All the disciples were Jew. All the first believers were Jews. So it wasn't until the Holy Spirit revealed to Paul and then to other New Testament writers that this gospel message is not just for the Jewish nation. It's for the Gentiles. It's for the whole world. That was the first part of the mystery that had been unknown. And then the second part is, is this. Paul says, it's not just that the gospel is for you, but when you accept Christ, Christ lives in you. He's saying that to the Colossians. He's saying that to us. They were Gentiles. We are too. He was saying, Christ takes up residence in you. That was, that was a mystery that was unknown until he declared it. And then let's continue reading these next two verses. Here's what I want to do. I want to read the next two verses so that I can finish Paul's thought. And then I'm going to return back to this idea of mystery. And that's where we're going to kind of spend our time this morning. So in verse 28, he says this. He is the one we proclaim admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend, he says, with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Paul declares the gospel message begins and ends with Jesus when he says, he is the one we proclaim. It's all about Jesus. And we do that and we teach and we, we encourage people because we want them to be fully mature in Christ. Paul says, I'm committed to that. That's what I've given my life to. I want to pause here for a moment, and I want to let you know that we at Community Alliance Church are also committed to that. We will proclaim Christ. That's our commitment to you. Be because, you see, everything that we do on Sunday morning, 
uh, in small groups, in life groups, in men's groups, in women's groups, in, in the children's department, in the youth department. We do that. We, we teach God's word so that those of you that call Community Alliance Church your home will grow mature. That's our commitment to you. We will proclaim Christ so that we can become fully mature. And, and also, as I mentioned this before, so that we can discover what our holy other gifts are given to us by the Holy Spirit so that we together can build one another up, minister to one another, and minister to our community. That's our desire here at CEC. All right, let's go back now to the mystery. Let's define that word. Pretty simple. Something that's difficult or impossible to understand or explain. You see, before Jesus came to earth, there, there had been hundreds of prophecies about the Messiah, but, but people really didn't understand. They, they couldn't piece it together. There were some things that made him look like a king and some things that made him look like he would be sort of this servant that suffered a lot. People, we, we, we couldn't figure it out. Even the prophets, they couldn't figure it out. No one knew. Paul makes that clear in Ephesians when he says, the mystery was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to the, to the holy apostles and prophets. People didn't understand. Once again, what happened was really the complete story wasn't revealed until Christ came to earth, died on a cross, rose again, ascended. Then the Holy Spirit comes and he begins to really reveal the secret that it is Christ for the whole world and also Christ in me. The Jews, just, they, just made, they just thought to themselves, we're God's chosen people. So when this Messiah comes, he's coming for us. We're going to get salvation, not the rest of the world. And of course, we know that the, the, the amazing part of the story is he did come. He came for them and the rest of the world, but they missed him. They're still waiting for the Messiah, but he came 2,000 years ago. Praise God, we know that message. Because of the Apostle Paul and many others, we understand Jesus is the Messiah. But the, the Jews have missed that. Paul begins to understand that through revelation through the Holy Spirit. And in other letters, not just this one, he talks about the fact that Christ came for the whole world. And, and then he also talks in other places, as well as this one, this, this further mystery. That it's not just that we accept the gospel, but when we do, Christ lives in us through his Holy Spirit. That's, that's critical for us to understand. And it was critical for the Colossians to understand. But So, so I want to help us understand that. What does that mean? What does that look like? So our small group recently went through a, a study on, on the book of Colossians uh, by Louis Giglio. And uh, he used a, a phraseology when he talked about this verse. He said a lot of people, instead of feeling like it's Christ in me, they think it's Christ and me. And I haven't heard that phraseology before, and I want to use it some this morning, but I want to give Louis Giglio credit, especially at 9.30, so I don't get, you know, so I don't get in trouble. Um, no, really, I do. I, I, this is where I heard the terminology. It's not Christ in me. He says, people don't live like that. They live like it's Christ and me. And I haven't heard the terminology, but I have heard that idea expressed by believers. We've actually talked about that some here in the past. You know that Joe talked about that. It's this idea that if I do my part, then God can do his part, right? Remember that? Last week, Joe talked about it. He said that, that there's this idea that if we do enough, God then can do his part and we can overcome the wall. Remember the wall? Anybody remember the wall last week? Okay. 
Remember how much noise the wall made when it hit the ground? Some of you still recovering from that? By the way, there's a disclaimer. Remember all the dust that flew? It's not because we have a poor maintenance department. That was baby powder outlining the outline of the wall so no one died from the wall. So we just want you to know. But that wall, like remember Joe talked about, we, we feel like we, if we do enough good things, that's like adding rungs to our ladder. And, and if we stop doing bad things, that's sort of make, making the wall a little bit lower. Remember that? So that then we can overcome the wall. But he, he let us know that scripturally that, that's just not right. It's not possible. Remember how he talked about the verse that says, that compares our righteousness to filthy rags? And he talked about what that really meant, what that filth was, what those rags are. We can't do that. There's no Christ and me in that process. We can't do anything. It's faith that saves us. We believe. Joe made clear we can't do anything. He also made clear we don't have to because Jesus did it all on the cross. He did all that was necessary. We just simply need to, by faith, believe that he did that work for us. All right, I won't continue to preach Joe's sermon, but what I will say, as I said in the past, is when a person accepts Christ, at that moment, something happens. Actually, a couple of things happen. We're going to talk about two of them this morning. One is, Scripture says we are justified. Justification, very important biblical word. Here's what it means. It's an instantaneous legal act of God in which he declares individuals as righteous who have accepted the work Christ did on the cross to pay their penalty for sin. That means when we accept Christ, we are declared righteous. That happens the instant we accept Christ. And then we've learned this morning, if we didn't already know, that also what happens is Christ takes up residence within us, we who are believers. And then a journey begins. And that journey, that journey to maturity is called Another strong, important biblical word, sanctification. And here's a definition of that. It's a progressive work of God and man that makes us more and more free from sin. And like Christ. In our actual lives, that means in the here and now, right now. It's not theoretical. We should actually see a difference. I've talked about that a few times over the last year or so. And, and I wanted to give you a picture that displays that a little bit visually so that you can, you can see it. So you see that, that, that number one, justification. That's at the point of saying yes to Christ. Yes to Christ. We, we accept him. Remember, you know, Dave said last week, praise God, five people did that. They texted and said yes to Christ. Now, I want you to know, if you were here last week and you accepted Christ and you didn't text us, that's okay. You're still a believer. You're still in God's family. That's important. More important than saying Yes to Christ in a text. You want to say yes to Christ in your heart. I also want to let you know, though, that anytime, if it's a Tuesday or a Wednesday, someone accepts Christ, please, if you, if you want, text yes to Christ to that 94000 so that we can help you on your journey. Okay, so justification, that happens at the, the moment that we receive Christ. And then we know he takes up residence within us. And then we begin this journey, this this line, number two, of sanctification. And then we'll see what happens at death is perfection. So there's really three important aspects of that journey of sanctification. There's a person. There's a process. And then there's perfection. The first of those three is a person. And we've been talking about him. It's Jesus Christ who 
takes up residence within us. He's the person. Because without that happening, without that person of Christ in us, we can't do what we're going to talk about the rest of the morning. We can't progress in our sanctification. We can't grow more and more free from sin. So there's a person, Jesus Christ. And then the second aspect of that sanctification is that there's a process. It's an ongoing process. As I said, you, you might remember a year or so ago that uh, I preached really about sanctification and I, I talked about the fact that a lot of Christians, it seems, believe that we, we accept salvation by faith, but really sanctification kind of happens through works, through our effort. That was, that was right when COVID started. And, and so what that's saying, and this is where I'm borrowing Louis Giglio's terminology, really what, what we're saying is that we accept Christ by faith, that's salvation, but then when it comes to sanctification, we don't think it's Christ in me. We, we, we kind of say, oh, it's Christ and me. Like, I, I'm going to do my part. I, he and I together are going to work through this sanctification process. But biblically, that's just not right. Sanctification isn't by our effort. It's not by works. It, as well, is by faith. You see, our effort will never make us more like Christ. Our effort will, will never help us to grow more mature. Just like our effort could never make us good enough before salvation. Our effort after salvation will never make us more mature. Our effort doesn't work. That's the message of, of really all of Scripture. Sanctification is by faith, not by works. Just like salvation is by faith. So what does that mean? What does it look like? Well, I've said already that it, it, this sanctification really is the idea of becoming more and more free from sin, more and more like Christ. But I think if we're honest, at least if I'm honest, sometimes it doesn't seem like that's happening in my life. I don't know about you. And so what does this process look like? I think it's important for us to understand and know. I've been learning so much about this process over the last few years. So I want to, again, put another slide up that, that hopefully helps you understand it a little bit. It, and it shows what should happen in the midst of our sanctification process. And this doesn't happen once. This will happen thousands of times in our lives. And I want to explain why and how it should happen. So we are in a right relationship with God. That never changes. We are in a right relationship. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a second. But, but something does happen. When we sin, and we will, we will sin continually, daily, on an ongoing basis, we sin. And when that happens, when we sin, the Holy Spirit, Christ in me, reveals that to me. He, he, he shows that something's wrong, that, that, was, that was a wrong action, a wrong thought, a wrong deed. And it, it does impact, then, my relationship with with God. It, it, it's not that I still have a right relationship, but there's an intimacy that's broken. There's something between us. And so the Holy Spirit lets me know there's, there's something there, something wrong. And that process is called conviction. And that's a good thing. Conviction is a good thing brought to us by the Holy Spirit. Christ in me lets me know. And, and so then we have this, I have a decision to make. 
you have a decision to make. What do I do about that sin? Well, we could try to do something, right? We could try to make it better. We could do the Christ and me thing, and I could try to do something to make it better. But we've already seen that's impossible. It's not biblical. It doesn't work. So instead, instead of doing something, we believe by faith what Scripture says. And Scripture says that when we have sin, we confess that sin. And Jesus, 1 John 1, 9, is faithful and just, and he'll forgive us, and he'll cleanse us. So we ask for forgiveness. We confess it, and then he does give us forgiveness. He forgives our sin very clearly. That's what Scripture says. And then that relationship, that intimacy, that fellowship with God is restored. That's the process, the ongoing process. Now, I have to tell you that when you look at that screen, you think, yeah, that's cool. That's nice. No problem. But really, in our lives, it's a lot more complicated than just looking at a slide. And there's lots of reasons for that. Let me give you, let me give you a few of those. First of all, our, really because of our human nature, we have this continual pull to want to do something to please God, to earn his favor, you know, to pay for our sin. And that's why it's so popular. I think why so many people, what do they do? I mean, they, they, they give to charities. They go to church. They, they say a certain prayer or they say a prayer a certain number of times. Like, they want to they wanna pay it back. But we've already said that doesn't work. That's Christ and me. That's, that's sanctification by works. The Bible says that doesn't, that doesn't work. And, and so one of the reasons that we want to do that, right, is because we feel like we need to get we need to get on God's good side again, right? We need to get back in his good graces. I don't know, do you still use that terminology? I'm old now, right? We want to get back in, in his good graces. But the truth is, we don't need to get back in his good graces. We have a right relationship with him always. Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. We are in his good graces because of all he's done for us. Once we accept Christ. In fact, really what Romans 8, 1 is saying is that once we accept Christ, we cannot sin enough to be condemned again. I want to repeat that. Once we accept Christ, we cannot sin enough to be condemned again. We don't need to do anything to get on his good graces because by faith, he declared us righteous. Remember? We are justified. Remember? That doesn't change. Even when we sin, that does not change. What does change is that intimacy is broken. And so we want to confess it so that we can be forgiven and restored and have that intimacy again with Christ, with Jesus. Another reason that it's hard to live this out, remember that circle, I say, oh, it's easy to look at, hard to live out, is because we equate our relationship with God with our relationship with other people. But our relationship with God doesn't work the same way as it does with people because God isn't like other people. Praise God. Right? So it may be that in your family relationships, because of your past, because of the friendships you have, because of your personality, you, we can bring a lot of baggage into our relationship with God. And so let me give you a couple of examples. It may be that you grew up in a home that if something went wrong, you did something wrong, one of your parents got angry. And you learned over time that the best way to handle that was to sort of give them space 
give them time to cool off, right? And so it's very natural that if that's the case, that we come to our relationship with God and we think, well, I've sinned, I, I need to give God time to cool off. God doesn't need time to cool off because he loves us always, no matter whether we sin or not. That's not the way he works. Another example, we, we disappoint people in our lives. Maybe, again, in our family or in a relationship. And, and we, we know they're disappointed sometimes because they tell us and because of the way they act. And so we have to somehow, again, earn back the right to be their friend. Earn back the right to have a good relationship with them. And so we carry that over and we think, well, that's the way it is with God. When I do something that disappoints him, God doesn't get disappointed in us. He gets disappointed for us when we sin, but not in us because he sees us as justified. So our relationship with him does not work that way. It's important for us to understand that and to realize it. Another thing that can happen is we can let a person down over and over and over again. And so we begin to feel unworthy of, their, of having a relationship with them. And sometimes people tell us, right, you're a failure. You always let me down. And so we carry that over. And we feel like if we have a sin in our life that we've done over and over again, that God then is mad at us and we're unworthy of having a relationship with him. Again, I'm here to tell you, that is a lie. That is not how God responds. That is not who he is. Read scripture, it's very clear. And so because of that, that circle, because of some of these things, not easy to do. But faith, faith once again is the key. We have to believe what scripture says about God. And about our relationship with him. So we have to believe verses like 1 John 4.19, which says, We love because he first loved us. The, the passage in Romans 8 that says, Nothing can separate us from God's love. Nothing. That includes sin. Repeated sin. Nothing can separate us from God's love. We need to remember what God did. He sent his son for us while we were yet sinners. Because he loves us. That is who God is. We need to remember verses like those found in Psalms that say, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions or our sins from us. That's the truth of scripture. And we need to believe by faith that those things are true. You see, just, just as salvation doesn't really make logical human sense, that God would send his son to die for you and me, Sanctification doesn't make logical human sense, but we have to, by faith, believe both of those just important truths of Scripture. And we have to believe not just that they are true theoretically, but that they're true in, in my life and in your life. It's critical. When we sin, we shouldn't be paralyzed by remorse or feeling unworthy. Rather, we should recognize that we have this broken fellowship and intimacy now with Christ and we can by faith confess that and he will forgive us and that intimacy can be restored and then we can continue to walk by faith this journey of sanctification that's what scripture teaches one more question about sanctification how do we know if we're really progressing and I want to put that slide up again that we had up earlier so that you can just notice that that line that represents sanctification you'll notice that it's not straight Right? It's not uniform. 
And, and the truth is, if it was a real person's life, there'd be lots more ups and lots more downs. See, sanctification happens differently in different people's lives at different rates. That's normal. But having said that, I need to be honest and say, sometimes it's really hard for us to see progress. But there is something that can help us see progress in our lives, and that's time. You see, it's hard to see progress sometimes over a, a month or even a few months. But if I begin to look a, a few years back, I can begin to see progress in my life. It's kind of like uh, going and, and driving by a tree every day and trying to determine if it's growing. It's hard to see it growing. But if you drive by the tree every couple of years, boy, yeah, that's, that tree's growing. I can see it. The truth is it's growing every day. You just can't notice it. And that can be true in our lives as well. As we look over a period of time and we compare ourselves to who we are today as to who we were three or four or five years ago, we can see progress. In fact, I, I wanted to, there's a couple of questions that I, I really want to share with you that can maybe help us hone in on the progress that we might be making. Here, here are a couple of them. So very simply, are there areas in your life today where you sin less than you did four or five years ago? Are there areas in your life right now today that you recognize sin that you didn't recognize four or five years ago? You feel convicted of that sin now and you didn't four or five years ago. Here's another one. When, when you are convicted of that sin, how quickly do you go to the Lord and ask forgiveness? Is that different now than it was before? Maybe, maybe three or four years ago, again, because of these relationships, because of some of that, uh, those, those human relationships that we talked about, maybe you sin and, and you had conviction and you knew you had to go to the Lord, but you waited. You waited days sometimes or maybe weeks because you weren't sure he wasn't angry with you. Or maybe you just felt unworthy and it took you a long time to say, you know what, I'm going to go and I'm going to ask forgiveness. And now, compared to four or five years ago, now you go much more quickly. That's progress that demonstrates the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. It, it demonstrates that you are progressing on this journey of sanctification. Very important. Remember as well in, in this, this sanctification process, there is, a, there is an end to it, right? The third part of sanctification is is perfection, if you remember that slide. When we come to the end of our lives, or when Jesus comes and, and takes us to be with him, we will achieve sinless perfection. We will be wholly sanctified. That will happen. We praise God for that. Remember, in this process of sanctification, it is Christ in you who fights the battle. Christ in you, who gives us the faith to believe the truth of Scripture. And that's what makes progress possible. Now, I've said this before, we can, we can only demonstrate faith in something that we know, right? We can only trust the truth that we know, and that's why it becomes so important that we know God's Word. In fact, Paul says here in Colossians chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, he says this. He, he's talking to the Colossians still, he says, he wants them to have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God. There's that word again, mystery, namely Christ, Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. 
So we have to know God's word because through God's word, we know who God is and, and his, the mystery of God, which is Christ. And we know who Christ is, right? We understand that. And we understand not only who he is, but what he's done for us. And because of that, we're able to trust and believe these truths. That's possible only because, only because Christ lives in me and in you if you're a believer this morning. In fact, this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to briefly just ask, really ask God a question. Lord, how am I doing in this journey of sanctification? God may point out to you, he may bring some reminders to you of how much you've grown in the last three or four years. It's a great opportunity to praise him when you ask that question. It may be that he brings something to mind that you need to confess so that you can be forgiven and restored. In either case, it's, it's important to ask that question from time to time. And in that process, even as we ask that question, we need to remember that Jesus is greater than our effort. Jesus is greater than our effort. The journey must be walked by faith. It is not Christ and you, but it is Christ in you. And that's way better. Would you pray with me this morning? I just want to give you a moment to ask God, Lord, how am I doing? Would you do that silently? How am I doing in this journey of sanctification, becoming more like you? And just listen for his answer. Father God, we, we want to come and we want to say thank you. Thank you for sending your son, even while we were sinners, to die on a cross and pay our penalty that we could never pay. Thank you that this week we're reminded that he came into the city with people shouting Hosanna. And by the end of the week, they were yelling crucify him he allowed himself to be crucified for us because he knew that he could win the final victory that he would raise he would be raised again and that then he through his spirit would live in us and enable us by faith to be sanctified to be more and more like you thank you for sending him we offer this praise in Jesus' name. Amen. If God spoke to you and said, you're doing great, and gave you some examples of that, praise him. And, and, and the truth is, if God pointed out that, that you needed to, to confess something, and you did that, praise him that you're forgiven. In either case, I just invite you to leave this place praising him and walking by faith this journey of sanctification. Thank you so much for being here. Hope to see you good Friday or next Sunday morning when we celebrate Easter. Thanks.